0: It's the media buzz meter with Howard Kurtz. What a shot! I gotta tell you, I've been watching basketball for a very long time. I've seen all kinds of last minute dramatics, buzzer beaters, and all that. I remember a game back in the 70s, uh, playoff game, New York Knicks, LA Lakers, when Jerry West threw up a shot from behind half court that miraculously went in. Tied the game. This is in the days before the three point rule, the Lakers would have won. But on Saturday night, Gonzaga, which is having this storybook season, undefeated season, uh, playing UCLA. UCLA scores to tie it up. There's a few seconds left, so they're bringing it down the court. And Jalen Suggs just throws it up on the run. It goes in, bank shot from 40 feet away. Gonzaga wins the game and heads into the final game of March Madness uh, against Baylor. But the thing about this shot was, you know, a lot of the great last-minute shots, at least, you know, you get a pass and your feet are set. He's running. He doesn't even have time. I mean, he's throwing it while going full throttle at the basket. I mean, that is great athleticism. So uh, congratulations to Gonzaga, uh, which is what game away from the first undefeated season in college basketball since Indiana in 1975-76. Wowza. All right, Uh, this will really fill you with confidence in Mark Zuckerberg. Details from more than 500 million Facebook users have been found available on a website for hackers. I didn't know hackers had their own website. I thought it was all very secretive. Uh, The stuff appears to be several years old, but another example of how much information Facebook, not to mention other social media sites, collect from the likes of you and me. Uh, This was first reported by Business Insider, uh, which says that there's information there from 106 countries, including phone numbers, Facebook IDs, full names, locations, birth dates, and email addresses. Uh, the uh, Wire story here says Facebook has been grappling with data security issues for years. Okay. Hey, I hope you had a great weekend. Uh, I really enjoyed Media Buzz Sunday. If you didn't get a chance to see it, we've got a lot of the segments online. We had a couple of great segments with Glenn Greenwald. Uh, I had a pretty tendentious interview with Hogan Gidley, the former White House Deputy Press Secretary and Trump campaign spokesman. We'll get into that a little bit on the podcast, what we were talking about. Uh, So I hope you have a chance to check that out. It was a beautiful weekend weather-wise here in DC. It's now, it's like California weather. It's up around 70 degrees and everybody's coming out of their houses and all that. So I hope you had a good time. Now we've got so much to cover here. So let's just go to story number one. And since I started off with sports, story number one is baseball. Uh, Baseball, more specifically, of course, the All Star game. Now, I remember uh, on Thursday, President Biden did an interview with ESPN, uh, with SportsCenter, and was asked about what would just seem to be a kind of a fledgling move by the Baseball Players Union to move the All Star game out of Atlanta to protest the new Georgia election law. And. Biden said, yes, the players are, are, are leading here and I would fully support that. Next day, boom, MLB out of here. No All-Star game in Atlanta. Um, and it's been hugely controversial, though it's actually just one example of uh, the corporate backlash to this new Georgia election law. I'll get into that as well. Um, so. It just, it was sort of like a tale of two presidents. And I got to tell you, you know, for about six years uh, on Sunday morning when we got. Did the last-minute prep for media buzz? Um, my staff would be emailing me, or I would be seeing. You know, Trump tweeted this, and Trump tweeted that, and we got to get this in. Well, maybe we can let this one go. Well, did you see this other thing he just said, responding to so and so? I mean, he just had. To, he knew he was very attuned, of course, to to news, to cable news, to the Sunday shows, and so he wanted to help drive the agenda. So Biden having weighed in on ESPN um, that it was okay, and I, I have no doubt that that kind of provided a almost uh, Oval Office stamp of approval for what Major League Baseball wanted to do anyway. But then, boom, uh, you had Donald Trump come out and not only oppose the move, but call for a boycott of Major League Baseball, and beyond that, call for a boycott of other corporations uh, that were uh, harshly critical of the Georgia law. Uh, anyway, New York Times has an interesting behind-the-scenes uh, take out on what happened because it all happened pretty quickly. You had Delta, which is the largest employer in Georgia, ending up as the leader of this fight. Originally, Delta uh, tried to sort of behind-the-scenes lobby against the Georgia law, but once it passed, um, it just gained momentum. There a lot of pressure from black activists, from civil rights groups. Delta ended up teaming up with Coca-Cola, another major uh, employer in the Atlanta Avenue, Uh, and decided to uh, uh, put out this statement, and there's been a big backlash. You know, the broader point here is that for years and years and years and years, uh, corporations were pretty much moved in lockstep with the Republican Party. The the GOP was sort of the country club Republican Party, and corporations were happy if Republicans were for tax cuts, particularly business tax cuts, and uh, lessening regulation. Uh, which they considered onerous, whether it was environmental regulation or uh, labor law or OSHA-type safety rules, whatever it was. But now there's a very different Republican Party, uh, which is much more aggressive, much more to the right, and at the same time the Democrats are much more to the left. That's why we have this polarized atmosphere. So now you see increasingly big businesses breaking with uh, the Republican Party, and particularly Trump, maybe easier to do now that Trump's out of office. So as the Times put, puts it, uh, Republican lawmakers in more than 40 states are pushing these more restrictive voting laws. But the backlash has been swift, particularly uh, from Donald Trump. In fact, let me read to you a statement that Trump put out over the weekend, uh, which we talked about on the show. Uh, For years, the radical left Democrats have played dirty by boycotting products when anything from that company is done or stated in any way that offends them. Now they are going big time with woke cancel culture, all caps. And our sacred elections, it's finally time for Republicans and Conservatives to fight back. We have more people than they do by far. Boycott Major League Baseball, Coca-Cola, Delta, JP Morgan Chase, FICOM CBS, Citigroup, Cisco, UPS, and Merck. Don't go back to their products until they relent. We can play the game better than them. They didn't even get approval of this is where he goes into his familiar uh, complaints about 2020. They didn't even get approval of state legislatures, which is mandated under the U.S. Constitution. They rigged and stole our 2020 president election, presidential election, which we won by a landslide. And then on top of that, boycott and scare companies into submission. Never submit, never give up. That's very Churchillian. The radical left will destroy our country. If we left them, we will not become a socialist nation. Happy Easter. Okay. Um so I asked Hogan Gidley when he says they rigged and stole our 2020 election, who's they? What is he talking about and why is he going there? And Hogan um, gave a different kind of answer where he came back to, circle back to um, defend the Georgia law and saying it's being totally misrepresented by, by the media. And there have been some mischaracterizations by the media and by President Biden, that, by the way. You've got four Pinocchios from the Washington Post for some of the things he said about the Georgia law. More on that in a couple of minutes. Uh, but, you know, It just, to me, it's such a sense of deja vu because I was surprised to see um, Joe Biden weighing in a major sports country. Donald Trump used to do this all the time, the uh, NFL anthem protests and so forth, and he would call on people to stop watching the National Football League because he didn't like the way the players were conducting themselves. Anyway, back to this Times piece. Um, Delta in particular has been a company that has been more uh, public about its political views. So, for example, Delta supports LGBTQ rights. And in 2018, after the school shooting in Parkland, the CEO, Ed Bastian, ended a partnership with the National Rifle Association. In response, Republican lawmakers in Georgia voted to eliminate a tax break for Delta, costing the company $50 million. So, in other words... I don't know. Look, politics is a game of you try to you try to do favors for people support you and you try to retaliate against uh, uh, people who don't support you. Within a certain range, I guess that's understandable. But if a company takes a political stand that you don't like and you repeal a tax break, I mean, that sounds like discriminatory retaliation. But I guess. It must be illegal. I don't know if there was a lawsuit. And it's happened again on this voting rights law. One chamber of the Georgia legislature voted again to repeal some other tax break, I think on jet fuel, uh, that Georgia gets. Anyway, Delta ended up teaming up with a bunch of other companies, including a guy named Ken Cheneaux, uh, or Chenault, uh former CEO of Amex. They spoke. Chenault told the New York Times, there is no middle ground here. You're either four more people voting or you want to suppress the vote. So all bunch of these CEOs signed a letter, it was printed as a full-page ad in the Times, but as I said, a lot of repercussions. So uh, Georgia's Republican governor, Brian Kemp, who had been fighting with Donald Trump uh, about Biden narrowly winning the state of Georgia, now I think very much wants to uh, reinforce his position with the Republican base, accused uh, Delta CEO of spreading the same false attacks being repeated by partisan activists. Uh, And as I mentioned, uh, Republicans in the Georgia House voting to strip Delta of a tax break. You don't feed a dog that bites your hand, said the Speaker of the Georgia House. In other words, we only give you favorable treatment if you do what we say, if you don't say things that we don't like. That's pretty raw politics, i got to say. And and also, you know, as the Times and other news organizations have taken a closer look at this Georgia law, I think on balance it does make things uh, more difficult, particularly on mail balloting, which of course Trump, you know, railed against all year last year um, and having to show some kind of driver's license ID or voter ID. You can argue either way whether that is the aim to prevent fraud, but there wasn't widespread fraud as we now know from all the uh, multiple investigations and lawsuits. Um, But at the same time, you know, one of the things that was held up by President Biden and others was that it's now it was now it's now against the law in Georgia to bring uh, food or water to people who may be waiting online for hours to vote. Except it turns out you can't go within 150 feet, and it's really aimed at third parties doing some kind of electioneering. Uh, there are certainly things in the Georgia law that are favorable to voting, such as uh, an extra Saturday to vote. Um, And then you get into this whole 9 to 5 thing. Uh, Does it mean that voting must stop at 5 o'clock? No, but it means that voting can stop at 5 o'clock, which could penalize a lot of working people who can't get off their jobs until at least 5 p.m. So it's a little more complicated and nuanced than the media uh, originally presented. So with an opposing point of view, National Review Editorial, um, says Rob Manfred, the commissioner of MLB, managed to get to the left of Stacey Abrams on Georgia's election law. Even she uh, says she's opposed and disappointed to MLB's decision to pull the All-Star Game from Atlanta. Uh, if MLB is passionate about the intricacies of the nation's voting laws, it could have provided one specific alleged outrage, says NR in Georgia, Uh, Was it the newly extended voting hours? The decision to keep drop boxes permanently after their adoption on an emergency basis last year, although there are not as many drop boxes as advocates would like. That was my addition. Um, The requirement that voters write a driver's license number or other identifier on an absentee ballot envelopes. When Ohio, where the All-Star game was played last year, has a similar rule. We could go on. MLB stuck to gauzy generalities in its statement because one assumes... Citing the specifics of the law with any accuracy would expose its decision as being completely unwarranted. This is an attempt to curry favor with fashionable opinion, says the magazine. After the president of the United States, that would be one Joseph R. Biden Jr., encouraged it to do so in an ESPN interview full of falsehoods about the Georgia law. So anyway, this is really uh, heated up. It's become a flashpoint and it it shows you once again it has now become in the modern era impossible to um, untangle the ties between professional sports and politics. This became a flashpoint, part of the culture wars during the Trump years. And now it is the same for the Biden era. Don't go anywhere. More Buzzbeater coming your way in just a moment. Let's go on now to number two. I want to talk about the statements that the office of the 45th president had been putting out. Because you'll remember, um, toward the end of his tenure, Donald Trump wasn't, and never agreed with this, kicked off Twitter, kicked off Facebook, kicked off Instagram, kicked off Snapchat. And then, you know, uh, sources close to the former president told me, and then he himself said in one of his television interviews, that he's kind of relieved or, you know, uh, it's probably better, he said, from not to be, on Twitter, trying to respond to every single thing that happens every single hour, though, was a very, very powerful megaphone for him. And he's confirmed that he's looking into, um, you know, starting or partnering with some company on a a new social media site. But instead he puts out these statements. And the thing about these statements is while they certainly contain strong language, you know, they are vetted by the people around him. So the most uh, harshest personal attacks have been taken out. Well, that has started to change in my view, because I get all these uh, in my Im- inbox, started to change, particularly over the last 10 days there have been more statements and they have contained um, more language that can only be described as a Twitter-like and Trumpian. Um, and so they've been going on and on and on about the stolen election, on and on and on, as I read to you earlier, about... Um, um, Corporations and we must fight back in Major League Baseball and we should boycott baseball. You know, it's interesting. There's a question for the media that I raised on Media Buzz How much play? should uh, the press give to these statements, whether it's boycotting or lashing out at companies and doing things he doesn't like, to a former president of the United States. For example, Barack Obama also weighed in. He, not surprisingly, supported uh, Major League Baseball moving the All-Star Game out of Atlanta. Now, that was reported, but it wasn't a big story. But of course, Donald Trump, uh, remains the leader of the Republican Party. He is a force. Uh, He retains the possibility of running again in 2024. He's going to try to knock off a lot of incumbents, GOP incumbents, in the 2020 primaries. Anyway, a lot of these statements uh, I, I've been quoting just because, you know, this is a guy who uh, has a very, very passionate following. So a couple of hours before airtime on Sunday, I see another one, um, and it simply says this. Happy Easter to all including the radical left crazies who rigged our presidential election and want to destroy our country. So it was my last question to Hogan Gidley. I said, what kind of Easter message is that? And Hogan said, look how he's, he's saying happy Easter to all, even people who are his detractors, even people who don't like him, even people who think this is a racist country. And I said, Hogan, he says in the message, who want to destroy our country? And he went on and on. And then I said, Hogan, happy Easter to you. Uh, then oddly, you know, because Trump got a lot of flack, because what kind of Easter message is that? I mean, if you want to attack the radical left crazies, the radical left Democrats, do that. But to wrap it into an Easter message was weird. So he got a lot of heat. So about 40 minutes after the show ended, look at in my inbox, there's another statement from the 45th President's Office. And it just said, Happy Easter. Maybe somebody convinced him that you need just a plain old... Uh, let's all celebrate this uh, holiday as opposed to, you know, injecting uh, a contentious political message into it. But I just thought it was funny that he had a, he had a do-over, right? At first it's just radical left crazies, happy Easter, and then, all right. Happy Easter everybody. Meanwhile, new poll out from Reuters says while fifty nine percent of all Americans say Donald Trump bears some responsibility for the Capitol riot on January sixth, and I talked on the show about the awful attack. Um, on Friday, uh, against two Capitol Police officers, crazy guy ramming his car into them. One of them died, sadly, horribly. And then the assailant was killed as, when he came out of the car with a knife uh, going after these officers. And it just shows you, you know, political threats from people of all ideologies. NBC's Pete Williams said, oh, it was a white male. No, it was a black man who was a follower of the anti-Semitic philosophy of Louis Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam. And security should not have been relaxed, the perimeter. I mean, I don't want it to be a militarized zone forever, but clearly it's still not safe. Anyway, I digress. New poll says 59% Trump bears some responsibility. Only three in 10 Republicans agree. Okay, eight in Democrats, eight and 10 Democrats agree. But uh, despite all the videos and what everybody has seen here, the poll also says that half of Republicans in this particular Reuters poll believe that this insurrection was either a peaceful protest or led by left-wing groups uh, trying to make Trump supporters look bad. Like all the investigations have shown, I think there was like one person who might have been a lefty and the rest of them were Trump supporters. Um, And Trump said in a Fox interview that the rioters post zero threat. We'll tell that to uh, the police officer who died, tell that to Mike Pence as they were some of them were chanting, and they hung a noose outside the Capitol and chanting, hang Mike Pence, Tell that some of the members of Congress who were sheltering in place for fear for their lives. So it's an attempt at revisionist history, and I think that's the importance of this poll. All right, number three. I don't mean to make this an all-Trump edition, but the New York Times had a pretty devastating uh, piece the other day about the Trump fundraising apparatus, particularly you know, in those final months after the election when they were trying to get the election overturned. I, mean, I was getting, you know, because as a journalist, you know, I've never given a dime to a politician in my life, but as a journalist, you end up getting on a lot of these mailing lists. I was getting two, three, four um, fundraising pitches a day signed by Donald, Don Jr., Kimberly, uh, Melania, and on and on and on. So here's the lead to this New York Times story. Stacey Blatt was in hospice care last September listening to Rush Limbaugh's warnings about how the Trump campaign needed money. Uh, when he went online and chipped in everything he could, $500. This is a big sum for this guy. He's 63 years old. He's battling cancer, living in Kansas City on less than 1000 bucks a month. But that single contribution quickly multiplied. Another 500 was withdrawn the next day. And then 500 the next week. And every week through mid-October, without his knowledge, until his bank account had been depleted and frozen. When his utility and rent payments bounced, he called his brother for help. They soon discovered... That this $3,000 in withdrawals by the Trump campaign in less than 30 days, they called the bank and said they were the victims of fraud. Um, The brothers said it felt like it was a scam. What actually happened was it was an intentional effort by the Trump fundraising apparatus and the for profit company that processed these donations to deal with a cash crunch being outspent by the Democrats. So there was some fine print in there saying, you know, if unless you find this little fine print thing and, and manually check a box to opt out, uncheck a box actually, um, money could be withdrawn from you beyond your initial contribution that you thought you were giving. And so uh, as the election neared, the Trump made the disclaimer, disclaimer increasingly opaque. It was hard to find. This resulted in a money bomb for the campaign, it ensnared scores of unsuspecting Trump loyalists, veterans, uh, nurses, retirees, um, soon banks, credit card companies, were inundated with fraud complaints. Now, to their credit, they did refund the money, but you had to figure it out and go after it. 78-year-old Californian who made a $990 online donation to Trump in September called them bandits uh, because the money was taken out seven more times for a total of $8,000. This guy says Victor uh, Amelino, I'm retired. I can't afford to pay all that damn money. This is uh, apparently it's a record-setting amount of refunds. Thirty-seven thousand refunds, totaling more than five million dollars. After people complained about this, all right. Number four, 60 Minutes did a piece last night on Florida Governor. Ron DeSantis, Republican, close ally of Donald Trump. And it had to do with COVID. You know, DeSantis gets a lot of heat about the way he's handled COVID-19 uh, in the state of Florida, uh, particularly, you know, the, uh, the medical establishment and the media establishment say he hasn't done enough and he doesn't care about social distancing or mass and all that. And yet Florida's been doing all right lately, which has given uh, the governor and his allies some important talking points. But this 60 Minutes story... Um, was about his relationship with Publix grocery stores, P-U-B-L-I-X, Publix, big chain uh, in parts of the country. And DeSantis announced uh, that Publix grocery stores uh, would be part of the vaccine distribution network. And this happened uh, weeks after the company gave $100,000 to the governor's PAC. Now DeSantis says he did nothing wrong. Publix said it did nothing wrong. Um, and it's an argument about vaccine favoritism. Okay, forgive me for a minute. I'm going to hold my breath. I am shocked that a, a public official would look favorably on some company that donated to his campaign or his pack. Do you think that's ever happened before in American history? Is that really that uncommon? So um, Sharon Alfonsi of CBS did the story. She went to a press conference in Orlando to confront— DeSantis about this. She said, um, um, you know, didn't this, the criticism here is that it's pay for play, Governor. DeSantis said that was a fake narrative, saying he had met with local officials to discuss options. Part of what he said that wasn't included in the 60 Minutes report was that, you know, Publix wasn't the first choice. He had deals with CVS, with Walgreens, with hospitals, but after a while there were parts, this is DeSantis's view of it, Uh, his response at that news conference after a while there were parts certain communities and parts of the state that weren't being reached and so he tried a lot of senior citizens he says live within a mile of Publix the counter argument is that there are a lot of communities that don't have a Publix Uh, in any event it was only after he, the state of Florida partnered with these other pharmacies and institutions that Publix got this deal. And it's the same thing, you know, in my area many other areas, you know. First, uh, in this area, Washington area, for example, you had Safeway and giant supermarkets. Then CVS came into it later. Um, and, of course, many hospitals and, and places like that. And then Walgreens. So I don't know if it's as big a scandal as 60 Minutes is making it out to be. The, the optics aren't great in terms of the big— Uh, Pack contribution, but kind of shrugging my shoulders here. I think it's just politics. All right, number five, Amazon. I've talked about this before on the podcast. Everybody's been saying, what the hell got into Amazon? Because suddenly Amazon, which usually maintains a low corporate public profile, uh, except for the public actions of Jeff Bezos, um, suddenly its Twitter account was turned into a weapon with all kinds of snarky, and borderline nasty tweets against politicians who had criticized the company. Now, look, Amazon, like any other corporation, has every right to, to strike back against the likes of Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, who have been highly critical of its labor practices and there's a union organizing drive, as you may know, for an Amazon uh, facility in Alabama. And if that passes, obviously, it will spread to other places. But it, the, where it really went over the top was when a Democratic uh, congressman from Wisconsin, Mark Pocan, um tweeted the following. Paying workers $15 an hour, which Amazon does, uh, despite the fact that there's no federal minimum wage at that level, despite the efforts of Biden and the Democrats, doesn't make you a progressive workplace when you union bust, the congressman says, and make workers urinate in water bottles. So Amazon official's account, official account says, you don't really believe the peeing in bottles thing, do you? If that were true, nobody would work for us. But, P-Gate has taken another turn because a number of news organizations looked into it. And there are numerous Amazon employees who said they had little choice but to use plastic bottles uh, to urinate. Uh, And the website, The Intercept, said it obtained internal documents showing Amazon executives were aware of the practice. You know, if you're processing there and you've got quotas to meet, uh, you're working in a warehouse— And there's not a lot of brakes or you're driving these routes and you've got to deliver. So, you know, Amazon Prime says it'll get the next day or two days later. It's a lot of pressure. Well, late Friday, Amazon realized that it looked uh, ridiculous. We owe an apology to Representative Pocan, Amazon said in a statement. The tweet was incorrect. It did not contemplate our large driver population and instead wrongly focused only on our fulfillment centers which it said had dozens of restrooms that employees could use at any time. But Amazon continues. We know that drivers can and do have trouble finding restrooms because of traffic or sometimes rural routes. And this has been especially the case during COVID when many public restrooms have been closed. This is a longstanding industry-wide issue and we would like to solve it. So what does Congressman Pocan have to say about this? Here's his tweet. Sigh. This is not about me. This is about your workers, who you don't treat with enough respect or dignity. Well, it's funny how so many of these battles now are played out on the Twitter playing field. Um, You know, it's been a long time, you know, where companies have tried to brand themselves on Twitter and try to have hip Twitter messaging campaigns, and uh, also on Instagram and Snapchat and other places. Um, And look, corporations get beat up and they're entitled to punch back. Uh, it's increasingly been the case that some companies are really aggressive in the way. It just is so out of character for Amazon because reporters who call Amazon all the time on all kinds of legitimate issues so frequently get no comment, no comment, no comment, no comment. and Amazon doesn't usually like to engage, but it's been reported and not denied that Jeff Bezos got pissed off to stay with the P vernacular uh, at some of the criticism from some of these members of Congress and instructed his people to fight back. But they went too far. They said things that weren't true. And now Amazon has apologized. Uh, Excuse me while I go check my front door to see if I've got any packages today. (laughs) That's become part of our lives during the pandemic as well. Well, as I said, I hope you had a great weekend. If you'd like to subscribe to our podcast here, foxnewspodcast.com or Apple iTunes, Google podcast. You can get it on your Amazon device that begins with A. We'll see you tomorrow with more BuzzFeed. This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com.